Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi there, my name's Sean Gregan, former player for Preston from I think it might have been 96 or 2002. And I'm currently just been doing a bit of coaching and working in the schools with sort of the behavioural units. People who rather than suspend them, exclude them, now they get put in a unit. I'm not a teacher, don't claim to be, but... I think I've got pretty good life skills and, you know, try to get to the kids a different way and touch what it seems to be working. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Much appreciated. No problem. We'll start with you playing at Darlington. Obviously, you were there for five years. How did how did that come about? I mean, there was no academies. There was none of that. You know, when you back back in then in 1990, I was at school. I'd actually been at Middlesbrough, and uh, they had like the School of Excellence once, twice a week. And Jamie Pollock, my mum couldn't afford a car, so Jamie Pollock used to pick us up. His, his mum and dad. Yeah. And uh, the guy who used to be like head of it was a guy called Barry Gelder. And Jamie used to pick me up anyway. Long story short, one day he said to me, oh, it's not on anymore, it's finished. All right, no problem. I mean, no mobile phones, blah, blah, blah. So eventually Barry Gelbart goes into Darlington as like the head of youth, invites me in as a chat with me and says, I hope you're going to stick this out. I'm like, what are you on about? He goes, well, you just stopped coming to Middlesbrough. So I don't know whether Jamie Pollock had stitched me up or what, but anyway. Yeah, that was it. So ended up doing the old school white, yes all the jobs that you do and, and things like that. You know, you've done half a day's work before you even train. So, but yeah. great grounding and one I wouldn't change if I could go back and do all my time again. Do you think Do you think that's something a lot of young lads are missing in football these days? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the later on in my career, when I went to Leeds at 30 year old, there was lads pulling out in X5s with the wash bags and the headphones on and all this. And you're thinking, wow, you'd have got a, you'd have got a good eye off the pros if, if you'd have done that then. Yeah, you know, we were cleaning the showers, the toilets, all sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was before training, and then all done again after training before you could even get get away. So, you know, I was leaving the house at half six and getting in probably seven o'clock at night. Yeah, uh, getting a full day's graft into. Yeah, you. for twenty nine pound fifty <laughs> on the YTS game, which was, you know, but again, good grounding. And yeah. other lads from my era, your likes of Greza, people like that, Mark Rankin, Jacko, gone through the same route. Mm. You know that I think it's made them. Uh, sort of made them survive, really. Yeah, they've all gone on to have pretty good careers in the game as well, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, it's like the the games you have now. I mean, I've watched quite a lot of the academy football. Mm. They've all got beautiful pitches, white boots, rolling out from the back. I mean, I remember being a darling and 17-year-old and you're going in playing against lads who were peed off that they weren't in the first team. They'd fell out with the manager, coming back from injury. They wanted to move. And they just elbow you in the chops or, you know, they do you. And it was either sink or swim. You either had to get on with it and do the same back or you wouldn't last very long. No, good grounding, like I said. And uh, I'm glad I come through that way. How how did the move to North End end up coming about then? Well, I mean, back in them days, there was none of this Bosman, was there? Someone either had to buy you or you stuck. And there was a lot, you know, there was quite a bit of interest around me. I'd been to Crystal Palace for like a couple of weeks pre-season, which turned out to be more of a stag do, to be honest with you, looking back. We went to uh, Norway and it was just on the drink all the time. Probably didn't do myself any favours, but I mean, yeah, people like Ray Houghton there. Yeah. Uh, they went on and got promoted that season, so maybe it was a bit big step too much for me. But yeah, I mean, 
the valuation the club were putting on me, no one would meet. And, and Gary Peters had watched me a couple of times and speaking to me, agent, he can't run, he can't run, he's got a fat ass. Well, yeah, I did have a fat ass. And I probably couldn't run, but I could read the game. Yeah. One of the things that sort of tipped it really is Dave Lucas come on loan to Darlington. Yeah, I think he was a he, young lad, wasn't he? Yeah, I think when he went back, Gary Peters was like, this kid Gregan, what's he like? And he was like, tech him. After that, I was in the car down for talks and it was all done. Yeah, I mean, they ended I, I, up paying quite a decent amount for you as well, didn't they? Was it about 300 grand or something? Yeah, something like that, which was decent money, you know, in them mm. days. Uh, I think David Reeves had signed for that amount and all. So, I mean, I always, I've done a couple of like chats with Gary Peters and fans forums. I always remind him that, you know, we had to bend, bend, bend his fingers backwards to try and sign me, but... <laughs> It's just the way it was. And, yeah. you know, like I said, I've never had pace, but I can always read the game. And, you know, I've, I've played in every level from the conference right to the top and back down. So, yeah. yeah. But it was just one of them. You were, you were stuck until someone bought you, you know? Yeah. Were there, were there a few clubs looking at you as well at the time? Yeah. I think Uddersfield. I think Steve Bruce was a manager there. Yeah. Burnley were having a look. Like I said, I've been to Palace. I was linked with quite a few clubs, but, you know, a bottom, real bottom end of the second, uh, old second division. Division four, it was, and to give 300 grand for a young kid, it was quite a bit of money. But you know, I like to think that 300 grand was well spent in the end. Yeah, I'd say it was. Um, so your debut, if I'm right, came on Sky against Blackpool in the final win Friday night. How was that? That's talk about being dumped into the into the deep end. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone had heard of Preston and Tom Finney, but it wasn't until I sort of got down and you, you know the big stand was up and you look around there and you see like the Invincibles and this and that and then obviously coming out to warm up all the Blackpool fans the atmosphere was like unbelievable live on Sky and as a player you want to your debut you want it the ground running yeah. and to be fair I could have had an absolute mare but we won 3-0 against you know our biggest rivals so it was a it was a great night which I think ended up in Squires and Tokyo Joes and, and place like that afterwards Tokyo Joes good blast in the past yeah, just a bit. Yeah, the first couple of seasons, we, we, we sort of like just potted around, I think mid-table. I think we finished sort of 15th, 16th, back-to-back. How, how was that for you? Was it, was, it, was it a tough period or was it, was it just sort of like a, a grounding for you to find your level at, at that level, so to speak? Or? I mean, the, you, you know, you want to fit in with the lads. You want to, you know, you want the support to tech to you. I mean, living away, I'd never moved away before. And that was, yeah. that was a big thing, I've said. Never, never had met my dad, has only ever been me and my mum. So that was a big wrench, moving away. So things like that can, you know, un, un, not unsettle you. It, it can take time to thingy. I think the thing is, we had a sort of an older squad when I got there. There was Bobby Mims, Russ Wilcox, Gagey. There was sort of, you could see the turnaround was about to start to happen. Yeah. And I was probably one of the first ones who'd come in, followed by Jacko. Ranks, I think, was already there. Paul McKenna was coming through. Kiddo mm. was already there, you know. So, yeah, it, it was a step up in standard for myself. It was a bigger club, so it wasn't hard for me at all. You know, I've been playing in front of 1,500 people and, you know, one man and his dog and come to North End with eight 9,000 every week was, was brilliant. I, I put something out on Twitter and asked people if they had any, any questions. And one of the things <laughs> that came up quite a lot was about the trip to the Isle of Man. Right. And, and specifically the chip shop. Uh, people asking for your version of events. Well, I can say the real version now. There certainly wasn't the uh, the word that I know people are looking for. Begins with a W and ends with a K. I think we'd been for a night out. It was a you know the good thing of what we did at Preston is we played hard, but we did you know on and off the field yeah. with a real good Work bunch hard, of lads. Play hard sort of thing. Everyone was doing it at the time, so it wasn't you know you couldn't get away with it. Now, don't get me wrong. And I think Wrexham were there. There was, a, there was I think there was a couple of teams there, an Irish team were there, maybe some other team was there anyway. Yeah, Cole we, we, Yeah, we'd been on the sauce and ended up in a chippy. 
I was getting served, and I think, I don't know, it's a couple of Oldham fans outside. They might have been over there at the time, just giving us a load of abuse. So I just dropped my kicks and give them, yeah, probably pulled a Mooney and give them a little wiggle. It was no, <laughs> there was certainly no masturbation going on, but uh, it sort of stuck, you know. What, what, you know. Yeah, some of the, some of the was, things that I saw on Twitter were, were cracking me up. Enough, was... I ended up at Oldham, and I, you know, <laughs> I got asked that question every week. But again, you know, you do daft things, don't you? There was no camera phones yeah. about then, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I suspect a lot of players would have been in uh, in a bit of bother. Yeah, absolutely. If they'd have been absolutely. around. I think so. <laughs> so how how did the move from centre-back up to midfield come around? Probably an injury crisis, really. I remember Moisey was number two, and I don't think he played when I was there. I was playing midfield. I think we had a couple of injuries, maybe Russ Wilcox was out or Kiddo or whoever, and it was decided that I was going to go in midfield as a slight holding midfielder. And Moisey, yeah. Moisey had to play, and I think it was Berry at home we played. I think Jacko was playing for them. Lachetti, who obviously couldn't always, was playing for them. And I think Moisey scored, and we won some like 3-0, and I ended up being stuck in midfield for quite a few games, probably the majority of my games at North End. Not, you know, me and Moisey sort of not argued about it, spoke about it quite a lot. You know, his, his version was, don't pigeonhole yourself in one position. And man was, well, I was signed to play you. It's easier seeing things all in front of you rather than sometimes, you know, I was good at, you know, the system that Moisey played, we had McKenna, Appleton, uh, Ranks, we had lots of legs around me. Yeah. So, you know, I was, like I said, I was never the quickest, but if one of our fullbacks bombed on, I could I could drop in as another centre back. I mean, yeah, you look about the holding, yeah, like the holding midfield, it's like this sort of new position over the last five or six years. We were doing that back then as yeah. me. So, yeah. But it's more, yeah, it was more mistake than anything really that I got, I got, I got chucked in there. We had some successful times with it. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think you could say. And you could get wired in there a bit more, you know what I mean? You could give yeah. three kicks away. You, you know, you got to be more careful when you're playing at the back in and around your box, in the box. So I always like the combative side, so it sort of suited me in a way as well. You just mentioned Moisey being Gary's number two then. How was it when, when he eventually stepped up? To become manager, I've, I've been told it, that it was it was quite seamless. Yeah, yeah, I think it can be difficult because although he didn't get changed in our dressing room, you can you know take the pee out of him and have a laugh and all this, and then he goes from your manager the next day. But I think he was clever enough to sort of get rid of quite a few of the players. A lot, a lot of the players were coming to the end and sort of moved them on. So he was gradually bringing his own players in who only saw him mm. as the boss. But it's better the devil, you know. You know, if they'd have brought a new manager, new management team, players might have left, and it, it, the transformation was great. You know, yeah. the players like Moisey, you know, I know he comes across as quite dour and that, but he's, you know, he's very quick-witted and, and, and humorous. So I know we didn't start great under him, but I think we was getting his ideas across, wanted to get a bit more fitter, work with the players, do his own bits. And you got to say it took off. Hence yeah, he I took mean, off. <laughs> I mean, overall, we, he, he did do pretty well. Like you said, I think it took a while to get going, but he saved us from relegation that first season. Then it was the semi-finals against Gillingham, was it, the season after? Yeah, I think so, yeah. We lost down Edin with their squad after a minute. Yeah, and obviously won the league the season after that. How was that think, for you? Go on. I think what, what he was very good at, Moyes, he was polishing players up. Yeah. I think, you know, he went to Everton, he got more out of the players. I don't think his niche is, you know, buying the finished article. Maybe that's why he struggled a little bit at Man United. Maybe that's a bit harsh because I think anyone had a struggle there, but he certainly got more out of myself, Ranks, Jacko, people like that. I think Kelly Peters deserves a lot of credit as well because mm. a lot of us he signed, Appleton, Murdoch, myself. Ranking John Macken, but what Moisey was good is getting more out of us and yeah, and getting, getting our heads ten percent, yeah, or... yeah, and polishing us all up, making us better. Which, which you know, he certainly did that. How how was that title winning season for you then? It was great. I mean, winning football is you know, it doesn't matter what league it is or everyone wants to win football. The crowds were going up. You know, it was fantastic. Like I said, Moisey was very clever that 
getting that team spirit. You know, I think we played away at Bristol Rovers. Now, I think we had Wickham midweek yeah. and we stayed down. We had a night out on the, the Saturday. I think we won both games and he was very clever at getting us, you know, real good mates on and off the pitch. Obviously, it didn't finish great for me because uh, I did my back in at Wigan. But uh, even coming out and getting the trophy, doing the full John Terry with the kit on and the armbands, that was Moise's idea. So, I, bet, I bet you don't look back on it with too much regret though, do you? No, not at all. It was great. I mean... I was training probably for a couple of weeks before the Millwall game, but he wouldn't let me play. Yeah. You know, he wanted the integrity to be there, that even though, we, you know, we'd won it. There was other teams going after the result, and at the time, I couldn't see that. And then, obviously, you know, you get older, you get more mature, and you look back, I think, yeah, that was the right decision. But, uh, mm. I mean, coming out like that, my family, you know, my mum was down, and, fa- you know, other family and friends, so it was, it was brilliant for me. But the first John Terry getting the full kit on. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not, not many camera phones or TV cameras around at the time. No, no, I mean, if you look back at some of the pictures now with my big air all slicked back and things like that, <laughs> you think, wow. But uh, no, I just found, great uh, times. I found a picture of you in, uh, I think it was John Macken, holding the holding the trophy on Deepdale Duck's head and you were both, <laughs> looked like you'd both been given like brand new tracksuits by the club. Like, lads, you need to wear these matching trainers, matching tracksuit, matching cap. I mean, after that night, we'd probably end up in squares for a couple of days after that. Yeah. But like you said, everyone was doing it. And in some ways, it's sort of... The, the support didn't mind seeing the players out. It was good to talk to them. Now you can't get away with that. And I, and I yeah. get that. But I think, you know, we often used to go out on a Tuesday if there was no midweek game, have a couple of beers off the Wednesday or go out on a Saturday if there's no midweek game. Mm. And the supporters were fine. And obviously, if we had been losing games, there wouldn't have been. But we were getting away with it because we were winning. Yeah, well, I had uh, Mick Rathbone on the other day and he, he said something about Gary Peters he used to take people, I think, was it to the Sunners or to another pub or something after a game? And he and he, he said like, the whole squad and the manager and everything would be in the pub with all the fans till like nine, ten o'clock at night. And he, But Brian Ellis was always in there as well. You you imagine yeah. that nowadays, the manager, chief sports, right, the players, you know what I mean? But yeah. It worked, you got to say it worked. It just helps bring people together, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you get them together off the pitch you've got to get them together on the pitch it's not rocket science and mm. both Gary and Moisey did that um, I was Baz by the way he's, he's a funny man oh, brilliant brilliant bloke dead funny yeah he's classy he? yeah in fact he, he said to ask you about your Sunday morning hangovers <laughs> it probably lasted half a week <laughs> <laughs> nah he's a, he's a great guy Baz I mean touch wood I wasn't injured very often but you mm. know Sometimes you'd have to come in on Sunday morning if there was a midweek game and probably spending that quite a bit of time in squares and Nazibs after it. He'd, he'd probably saw the worst of me, but no, nah, he's a real good guy, Baz. Yeah, he uh, is, yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> all the players respected him and he was the fittest man I've ever seen as well. Unbelievable. Did When when Moisey came in then, did you think that you'd, you'd all go on to do as, as well as you did when he took over? Or was it, was it just no, like I don't you think said, so. you, you were just a good group of mates and just thought, it's another challenge, let's see where we can go? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Moisey was, you know, people liked him and could see he was, he was a good coach. He, he used to do quite a lot of the sessions and obviously he took over. And like I said, we were a young group of players. Gary had mm. signed him and he sort of polished us all up. Yeah. And uh, I think the success we had for, you know, a good couple of years, we were probably one of the top teams of win ratio in, in, in the land. He gave us that belief that we didn't care about facing anybody. And obviously, I used to pick ranks up. We both lived in Manchester. He couldn't drive. I used to pick him up. And you get, you, you know, you become real good friends. And you see your mate getting kicked about on the pitch. You, you're in there and, and yeah. vice versa. I remember playing against Sheffield United once at Deepdale, Curtis Woodhouse and Michael Brown, who went on to have an unbelievable career. 
they were like supposed to be the best two in the division. And we physically dominated them and, and dominated them with the ball. They couldn't get near us, you know. We, yeah. we squashed them when they had it and they couldn't get near us with it. And that was a confidence that we had all through the team, you know. Yeah. People like Jacko had, be, had been at Berry, not really pulled up any trees. Grezzo had had a bit of a, you know, been at Scunthorpe and things like that. It's just got so much more out, wasn't the confidence? Yeah. I mean, if you would bottle that, it's an old, it's a cliche, I get that. But he sort of filled us with confidence. Never mm. really give us compliments because he wasn't like that, you know what I mean? He always wanted more and more. And kept you on your toes, and it, you know it worked. And the managerial career is that you've got to say, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely outstanding. I think Grezu was my third guest on the podcast, and he he came yeah. around to my house. I mean, for me, that was unbelievable. He sat in my living room for three hours, <laughs> chatted about football. It was unreal. But what what got me when I was talking to Grezu about Moisey was that he he kept referring to him as Gaffer, and and he. I asked him about it and he said he said it's just the the effect that he had on me personally and, and my career that he said I, I've got that much respect for him that I still refer mm. to him. He said probably more out of habit, but I still refer to him as Gaffer now. I think uh, I think Moise sort of helped him quite a lot in his managerial career as well. Yes, whether it be any. Uh, listen to or you know going down mm. and watching training sessions and things like that I think they're probably more friends I would say now than right, yeah, yeah. than player and manager but uh, yeah I think if you ask anybody from that era he, he did have a big effect on everybody I've spoken Sometimes, to a few lads that, that played under Billy uh, under Billy Davis and they said that when when Billy was in charge, he, he fostered this sort of mentality of it was like us against everyone else. Do you think that was the same in Moise? I think so. I think that's maybe a Scottish thing at all. Yeah, <laughs> probably. They don't seem like the English or anybody did this. So <laughs> it, it was probably a little bit of that as well. But again, I mean, I only worked under Billy not long because I was off to West Brom. But uh, again, mm. driven, good coach, aggressive, fiery, probably like Moise. Yeah. Actually, didn't go to the heights of Moise has, but I know McKenna's played under him quite a lot and, and other players. Julian yeah. Darby, who's, who's been around with him, quite a lot in his coaches I've always speak very highly of him so yeah Billy was possibly my mate for some people but I didn't realise uh, you you was he was he Craig's assistant yeah when Craig yeah. Brown come in I did yeah, like yeah. pre-season I think we went up to Scotland and uh, not long after that I was away but yeah. I mean I, I had Craig on as well and he was brilliant I mean I didn't spend that much time with him and I, I, I've said this on record before that I got the feeling when him and Billy come in that they didn't want me around it was you know get rid of the big character get rid of the fans favourite whatever you want to call it I just got that feeling and obviously I think Craig's gone on record in a book and, and said that wasn't the case but that's just the feeling I got maybe I'm wrong I think I think he mentioned something I don't think he specifically mentioned you but he said something along those lines when I had him on the podcast saying that I think people thought that I was trying to get rid of like the leaders of the dressing room sort of thing and he said that wasn't the case I think I can't remember well if maybe you look I've back I think I went I think Ranks went I think Jacko went it's always saying that you just look at those characters who left and mm. I get that, that the manager's got to come in and do it his own way. I get that completely. You know, me and Billy had a bit of a tear up when I was playing for Leeds at uh, Ellen Rhodes. He was giving it the big and lots of shouting and screaming from the dugout. And I'm thinking, why? I've come across you for six weeks, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there was no love lost there, but uh, the morning North End were playing West Ham in the playoff final. I actually got his number and rang him. And I think he was shocked that I'd picked the phone up, you know, and uh, wished him good luck. For the benefit of North End, you've got to do that, haven't you? I seem to remember, I could be wrong, was there some kind of bust-up or something that made it into one of the papers? I don't know if it, if it involved you or any, any player in particular. I just remember something, I was only young. It will have been the Christmas too. Was that, was that the one that Kenner spoke about on Under the Cosh with Parky and Brownie, where Possibly. Te- Teppy said something to Moisey? Oh no, that that was a different. No, that was a pre-season. There, the oh. one that made the papers was uh, no. So we we had a Christmas too, and yes. nowadays you 
you probably wouldn't have one or you'd, you'd go out the area. We decided to go around Preston and we were playing this golf game where you go off in fours. So me, Ranks, Jacko, Kiddo, for example, I go up a pub. We have to order whatever drink we want, everyone has to drink it. Then another four go off, blah, blah, blah. So late night, we ended up back at the, oh, I can't even remember what it's called, a big roundabout in Preston. There's an hotel right in the corner. Was it Holiday Inn? Yeah, the Holiday Inn, near the bus station. Yeah, so we'd gone in there trying to get a taxi. We couldn't get a taxi anywhere. Asked at the reception, and the guy was like, nah, clear it off. So we sat, on the st- we, sat, we sat on the steps inside, and he was like, if you don't leave, it was lashing now, we're in. If you don't leave, we're like, oh, mate, we're just trying to get a taxi. Rings a taxi, we were gone. Anyway, he rings the police, the police turn up. We're sat on the steps, comes over and puts his hand on ranks. The ranks side goes, get off. And next thing, they've both gone over him, lobbing him in the van. So I've gone outside and said, oh, mate, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, clear off or you come with him. I said, right, I'll come with him then. So that, that's sort of like the bond we had that I wouldn't yeah. be on his own. So we ended up going to the police station and the guy's booking us in. We're still half kettles. And I'm like to the guy, listen, mate, I watched the bill. I know I can have a phone call. So I was the first one slung in the cell. <laughs> I, I was the first one slung in the cell. So I think we did about four or five hours and then the letters out. But previous to that, I'd done a story with uh, Brian Ellis on the back page of the paper saying Christmas period, we're not be professional. So that was on the back of the paper. The front page of the paper was P&E stars locked up in Christmas yeah, act yeah. or whatever. So we had to obviously ring Moisey. Paid the fine. Like to eat how how was he about it? Was he all right about it? Or yeah, he was actually. Blew his, blew his top of the time, but I think we must have went on and won the next game, or we went on a good run, and it didn't affect us. And after that, it was it was a you know it was a bit of a joke. It was fish and chip paper, so thankfully it didn't derail the season. But going back to it, like I said, I wouldn't leave ranks on his own. I wouldn't have expected him to, you know. So yeah, yeah. that's just sort of the bond that that group of players, not just me and ranks, that group of lads had. Like you said, both on and off the pitch. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So you get it right off the pitch. I mean, Moyes didn't really have to do anything in the dressing room. It, it sort of policed itself. If I was out of order, you'd get Greza telling me, Jacko, or vice versa, you know. No. We, we would we would police it ourselves. And it made Moyes' job just at the start of the coaching out and, and the training sessions, things yeah. like that. Almost like you're like a team full of captains then. Absolutely. I mean, I think Greza went on to be captain when I had left. I think yeah. Kenner did. You know, Ranks is captain it when I wasn't there uh, or being injured. Yeah. He's captained other clubs. Jack was the same. You, you know, you could have picked anyone out of that side to be a captain. Mm. I was one who had the armband, but we had not just 11 of them. We had lads on the bench. You had Appleton's yeah. who wasn't playing all the time, things like that. So, like I so said, we had a real good bunch of lads. I remember you scoring an absolute belter against Norwich. I would imagine that's probably one of the best of your career, if not the best. I think, I yeah. think Laurel actually described it as Beckham-esque. <laughs> I didn't get many, did I? I mean, obviously, the later on in my career, there was more own goals because you go to the back. But uh, I mean, if you watch it, John Rack makes a run because I yeah. don't play him. He turns around and gives me a mouthful of Fs and this, and the next thing he's jumping all over me because it goes in. Because it was a winner as well, left foot, you know what I mean? It was. Yeah, uh, I was going to say it was left footed, wasn't it? It was, I think. So, yeah. I still get a bit of stick about that, but. Uh, it's one to look back on, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Two other kids, so it's, uh, exactly. it's good. Quite a lot of kids in the school, like the behavioural unit I work in, you know, they're, they're getting it on YouTube and having a look who's his geezer, who's telling me what I do. So it sort of breaks the ice for them, which is, if nothing else, it's been good for. So from, from your point of view then, just talk me through that, that return leg in the playoffs against Birmingham um, at Deepdale. Obviously, we, we went there and I think, did we lose one nil? We did, but I think we got away with murder. I think when we yeah. went down there, I think it was a Sunday, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, it was something red hot. Oh, it was a good atmosphere there, full house. But I think we got absolutely pelted, you know. I remember someone having a shot and me being on the line and not trying to block it or anything. It just hit me and went over the bar and you're thinking, wow. That's just and I, think, I remember... I remember going back in the dressing room thinking, we've got a real chance here now. Mm. That could have been three or four. You know, under the lights at Deepdale, full house. So, yeah, probably rode our luck a little bit, but what a second leg. 
just a bit. Um, just talk me through it from your point of view then. Well, strangely, we never used to stay away on home games. You know, it was always get yourselves in your own beds, lads. We parked the ground at six o'clock, whatever it was. And he took us yeah. to hotels somewhere like Southport, I think it was. So we were there, did a bit of training, usual scenario, come down, bit of food, right, we're having a meeting. Walked into the meeting. It was just a big telly set up and he just pressed play. And it was the two goals that United had scored against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. And basically, the message was that's how you know that's that's how quick you can turn this round. And then obviously coming out to warm up, I think the ground, you know, the crowd was bouncing. They were up for it. Just before that, Jasper Carrot had come in, and I don't know if you've been in the old stand at Deepdale, a big long corridor with a two. No, two I never, never went in it. Well, as you come in the main door, right is the home dressing room, left's your way. So, but you've got to walk around the corridor to go to the manager's office to go to the physio room. Yeah. And as Birmingham arrived, there's quite a lot of people in the corridors. Jasper Carrot walks in with a big crate of champagne. Yeah. So all the lads are like, oh, really? And then uh, just a bizarre night, really. We scored first and they equalised. I think they could have won it. We go up the other end and rank scores. Did, and then, did someone uh, clear one off the line? I think it went have... right across the line. Was it Maybe that was it. Crossed yeah. it or something like that. I think Rob Edwards gets it, gives it to me, into John Mack and back. He goes into ranks and then ranks scores. So yeah. just a weird night, really. Well, not weird, like the ups and downs of they could have won it, we could have won it, we could have lost it. The, the fiasco with the penalty shootout afterwards. But probably one of the best games I've played in for nothing. I've spoken to quite a few people, actually, about the Birmingham one. And they've all sort of said about, about Jasper Carrot, just looking at it, thinking, what? I mean, if you're going to bring it in, at least hide it or something like that. Yeah, that's like, just, he just didn't seem to to be too bothered by it. Almost like he, well, obviously he felt like Birmingham were going to win. Absolutely. I mean, no team talk needed, is there? Um, you know what I mean? When you see that, you just you know yeah. you think, I'll just get you back up, and you know, obviously we should have went in there and nicked it off from the night after we'd knocked them out. You know? Oh, did you not? <laughs> I don't think we'd have been. Uh, <laughs> I think Trevor was still uh, going mad. Did you get a Trevor uh, impression off Baz? I'm sure you did. I think I did, yeah. I think I got a few impressions off him, to be fair. I can't remember. Yeah. So, I think, did Grezzo miss, pen- miss a penalty as well? He missed a penalty in the game. In, so in the shootout, obviously, he scored, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, the penalty comes up in, in normal time and, you know, you're getting ready to take the kickoff because Grezzo never missed. And, yeah. You know, he, he misses and it's like, wow. But, again, just shows the character and the bottle of him. So mm. much at stake to step up after he missed one and take that, uh, that first pen. So, massive kahunas, eh? Yeah, what what are you thinking when Kenner's walking and that that last penalty and you you, you know if if he if he scores it that's it. We, it's, we yeah, it's a little bit like my penalty. I think they'd missed the first two, so it, really it wouldn't have mattered if I'd have missed mine. Yeah, we, we had a cup, we had a cup in the bag, and I think obviously <laughs> a little bit of pressure, local lad as well. You know, that, yeah, because he just started coming through like really at that point, hadn't he? Which was great for him coming yeah. through the youth teams and local lad being a pressing supporter to, to put that final one in. It was just more relief, I think, than anything. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think with yours, my my dad had the video of the game. He used to stick it in the in the tape player, and he, whenever yours came up, he always used to say that if I had a penalty and I was yeah, sorry, if I was in a penalty shootout, that's a hard take mine. He said I'd just absolutely welly it. Well, I've never took one before or since, so <laughs> retired with a hundred percent record, and it was just one of them. If you do, if you're not sure, just hit it as hard as you can. So it's funny because the keeper Bennett, he he ended up being at Leeds, and me is like a. The, the number two training keeper. So, yeah. nah, like I said, I wasn't going to go try to go fancy, give him the eyes, I could try to do now little runs on it was just welly it and yeah. see what happens. Have you got any regrets about the playoff campaign? Maybe not you personally, but do you think maybe as a group there was anything looking back? I think a few of the lads that I've spoken to said that the maybe looking back felt as though we thought that was our final. Possibly. I think a lot of us maybe peaked in that. 
Yeah. You know, I think the amount it took out of us. Also, I think you, you look at the playoff final and the team that tend to score first go on to win. And I think they had a lot more experienced manager than we did. They had a lot more experienced players. They had Dean Olds in there. They had Colin Henry, I think, was playing. They had yeah. quite a few. Michael Gundy Ricketts Ber- as well. Ricketts, Gundy Bergs. And I think, you know, they had, they had a lot more experienced players than us. And I think if we'd have scored first, it might have been a different different game. They'd have had to come on to us. And we were younger, probably a little did, bit better going forward. Was it John, did John Macken have a decent chance early on? I think John a had a decent one. chance. And I think Dave had one. Dave's yeah. maybe trying to give the keeper the eyes and he's read it too much. I mean, 3 0 looks like a bit of a bit of a do, and it wasn't. It was 1 0 to the 90th minute. And we, yeah, we had and they scored it. two late ones, didn't they? Yeah, so like I said, I think they just had that little bit more experience. And once it went one up, you know what Sam Allardyce's team was like and his reputation's been yeah. since then. It was going to be incredibly difficult, but mm. uh, maybe we burnt ourselves out in that one. Maybe we just come up against a more experienced side. You know, we'd, we'd bounced up from League, what was League 1, to Championship, and then nearly went again. So, yeah. they had a lot more see- seasoned pros than us. And, you know, the, the thing after that is, when, once Moisey had left, you could just see it was going to... I think if we'd have kept Moisey, John Macken, we'd have kept them one together for another 12 months, maybe added one or two. We could have had a right go for automatic, but yeah, Moisey got his head turned by Everton. Obviously, a massive club and a Premier League team. He was off, John Macken was off, and you could just get the sense that it was starting to break up. Yeah, and obviously Craig coming with his own ideas and wanted you know his own players, and it was it was just a regret that we couldn't get over that line. You know, yeah. like because I think we had the quality. I, I certainly think we had the quality. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. To be fair, um, I think when when I had Craig on, he he said that looking back. He felt as though that he maybe tried to change things around too quickly. So I think that he he moved he moved us to like a three at the back or something like that. I think um, he probably did. I mean, you look <laughs> at the results we'd had over not just that season, probably two or three years under Moisey. Yeah, we had established championship players and playing a four four two as well. Yeah, everyone knew the job. The system mm. worked. The results proved that it worked. So why come in and change it? Whether whether he just didn't want to be seen as setting over Moyes' team, he had to do something different. But I don't know. I don't know. But it's, yeah. it, it didn't work. You'd have to say it didn't work. And like I said, a lot of the big characters left. Good yeah. players. The backbone of the team, your Jackos. John had already gone. Me and Ranks went. Uh, he brought some good players in. Don't get me wrong, Ricardo Fuller. Yeah. And a few weeks, I was there. What a player he was. Quick, strong, unbelievable player. Yeah, very skillful uh, as well, wasn't he? Absolutely. But, you know, fair play to him to say, you know, he did make mistakes because a lot of people, especially managers, coaches, won't, won't admit that now. Yeah, I was. to be fair, I was quite surprised that he actually said that. He said, I think he said one of the last things he said to Billy before he left was, um, he said, if I could have my time again, I'd go back to four four two. He said, I think you'll have more success with that. And for the most part, that's what Billy did. The players um, knew it. The, the players, they were drilled in it. You yeah. know, to do something foreign... Either bring your own players in to do that system, or you know you're putting square pegs in round holes. And like I said, Billy was a very good coach, a good motivator. Mm. You, you could see that, and even playing against his sides, you could see that. And players speak quite highly of him that I've spo- you know I, I, I've spoke to since. Yeah, but he used to do on the training anyway. You know, yeah, I was... Craig's, Craig's telling him to do a three. <laughs> He's having to do That's... that, but. You could tell, I mean, he was the coach and Craig was the manager. So how did the move to West Brom come about? How did it all happen? Well, there was interest over the summer. I think one of the back end of that season, we'd played West Brom home. I think they might have been already champions. I think I'd scored in the game. I think we either won or lost 2-1. But I played at the back that day against uh, Jason Roberts, who was an absolute tank and a flying machine. I did quite well against him. And obviously, whether that must have caught Megson's eye or what. And like I said, I'd got the feeling that Craig and Billy didn't really want me around. 
I was 28, there's a chance of going play in the Premier League. And I've said many times, I would never have left North End to go sideways. You know, mm. I was at the oh, yeah. And that was my, my <laughs> chance. The offer was accepted. When it's accepted, it's, you know, you, it's you're on your way. It? Yeah, it's on your way. So I went and spoke to them and that was that. David yeah. Old Trafford, what more can you say? How, how was Megson to work under? Sergeant Major, very, very strict, ruthless. His way or no way. Had to be done a certain way, 4-4-2 or 4-3-3. Very drilled, very regimental. And if you crossed him, you were gone. I've seen many players who had come across him, you know, in that time, and you were gone, absolutely gone. You know, he, I went in there and he, he made me captain and I got along fine with him, so... Was that the season that... that you stayed up? No, was that, that... Was, we went down that season, I went there, right. and then we went straight back up automatic. Uh, Brian Robson was there when the season... I'd just left, actually, Brian Robson come in and looking right. back, if you have about regrets, I wish I'd have stayed. Yeah, I was 30-year-old. Uh, it was in the last year of my contract. It more or less been made to everybody that we're going to go in a different way. They'd brought Carno in. They were trying to bring other players in. And what Brian Robson did, what Craig Brown should have done, is he got all the old-school players in. Your Andy Johnsons, your Darren yeah. Lewis, your Jason Robertson. He got them playing. He took them away, took them on the drink, whatever you want to call it. He got yeah. the social side of it right. And it worked on the pitch. And the, that was that year that they were bottom at Christmas, never been done. And they, they stayed up. Yeah, only only club to ever do it, I think, aren't they? Aye, yeah. Have you ever had the chance to come back to North End in any sort of capacity? When I was leaving, I was made available at Leeds. Like, I think it was 32. And my agent spoke to Derek Shaw and he said, yep, have him tomorrow. But I think Paul Simpson was the manager. And again, it was going to go around the down the route of former players, older players. Yeah, he was trying to sign Lachetti back. So whether it was, he knew I was such a big character, things didn't go well and I was there with the fans start shouting to put me in charge. I don't yeah. know. Managers feel very threatened, especially when by players you get to a certain age, they start to feel a bit threatened by you. So yeah, like like when they that, when they could potentially become a manager, almost. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And again, I get that. Absolutely get that. But that was the only time really gutted because I would have loved to have come back. Would end up going off to Oldham and having six, five or six years there, which I thoroughly enjoyed. How was it coming back to to deep there with Leeds in the playoffs? Difficult, but at the end of the day, you've got to be true to yourself and true to the yeah. team you're playing for. And I've said it many times, if you see the pictures after the game, I don't think you see me running around, sliding on my knees, celebrating. I had too much respect for the fans. They had respect for me. And I thought, you know, I'd like to think it was both ways. And I had to do the job for the team I was playing for. Did that, come off, walked off and, you know, that was it. Yeah, Had to be done. How did you feel after the first leg? Because that was when, when Billy came out in the press saying, job done. I know you mentioned when Jasper Carrot brought the champagne in. Similar situation. That, that Similar was that was your team talk done, I suspect. Similar was. situation. I mean, I think we were at the Marriott or something, having pre-match, might have stayed over, I can't even remember. I remember going into the ground and there was pictures of Billy and job done all over the dressing room. And that was the team talk. Yeah. You know, that was the team talk. So one of the strangest things that night is when the teams come in, the amount of change. I think we've made some real weird changes. I think Mark Stewart was like playing. Four, three, three or something. I think he changed to what he was doing. Dropped a mm. couple of big hitters and we were like, ooh, what's going on here? So, uh, and I then think what, he played Danny, was it Danny Dickio through the middle? And then... Yeah, yeah, Dickio played. Mark um, Stewart one side and someone, was it somebody else, another? Yeah, and not, but not Chris Sedgwick. When I had Sedgy on, he said that he... He, he either didn't start or he started in like a midfield three and obviously said he was a winger. Brett Armrod, didn't he break his Brett leg? Brett Armrod, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, he broke his leg and the lad that did it, I can't remember who it was, didn't even get booked, I don't think. It was Jonathan Douglas, might have been him. I think, yeah. 
Yeah, it rings a bell. But it was just a tr- strange team sheet. I don't think Mark Stewart had played a lot, and then he's no. playing in like the playoff semi final. He definitely didn't play a lot because I don't remember him playing yeah. for us. But one of the things that sort of disappointed me after the game was Billy had come out and said that we'd trashed the dressing rooms, smashed the toilets, and this and that, which to me absolutely never happens. There's no yeah. way I would allow my teammates to smash a place I'd played and, you know, absolutely yeah, loved yeah. For, for six years. And Crazy was with you as well, wasn't he? Absolutely. Eddie Lewis was there, Dave Ely was oh, yeah. there. And- Oh, bloody hell, yeah. Too busy celebrating getting to Wembley to think yeah. about smashing toilets. I think Billy, to take the, the heat off what he'd said in the press conference, the heat off the team he'd pick, made some bizarre excuse that we'd smash the toilets up. Which... Yeah, try, try and put it all back on you. <laughs> yeah, put it back on us rather than the team he'd picked and the comments he'd made after the game, So, mm. which was disappointing. And, you know, Craig come out and admitted his, uh, his feelings. He'd like to think Billy had, but I don't think he ever has. No, he keeps saying that he'll write a book about it someday. And he's told me he'll come on the podcast, like I said, but he, he, he just doesn't seem to like to answer his phone. He's spoken to yeah. him twice. Easy's platform to put it right, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've even caught the... The kit man who was there at the time, we used to call him Balls or Sausage, Brian Ixon. I'm not so sure, I don't, don't even think he's there now. No, there was Brian Ixon, we used to call him Sausage because he was a big fat thing. But it, again, he was a great lad, he'd come out drinking with us and having a laugh yeah. and all that, but that was the bandage, you know what I mean? But uh, I'm sure if you'd asked him, and I've spoken him since, uh, he, he'd tell you the toilets weren't smashed up. It's yeah. absolute, you know what I mean? But anyway. You, you're still a bit of a legend amongst North End fans. Does that, I suspect that's something that you, sort of makes you proud of of what you did at the club. It's nice to be appreciated, you know, and, and for the work you did. I think as a support, as a player, as a support, all you want to see is whoever's wearing your shirt, give 100%. Mm. Flying to tackles, you, if they can't cross turn, if they can't do this, can they? If you're giving 100%, flying to tackles, giving it your best, trying to do the best for that shirt, mm. they will respect you and like you. And I think, I'd like to think every club I've played for, I've, I've seen that in me. And especially, you know, I spent six years probably playing my best football at North End, I think. That's why the fans sort of took to me because they could yeah. see that I was a trier and I'd give sweat, blood, and tears, you know. And I think when I come to the club, they were, yeah, they were in the League One as it was now, hanging around near the bottom. Me and all the other lads sort of got that team going again. I think, yeah. I think that, that sort of earns a bit of respect as well off the supporters that we sort of walk it up again. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I, was, I was only young when that was all going on. But for me, it was what got me on to North End because my, my dad, my granddad, my uncle, all big fans and it was that sort of period like you said when when yourself and the rest of the lads were there that that sort of got me on and I I would imagine probably a lot of others as well yeah I mean like I said before (laughs) if the local team's successful the crowds go people go to watch Mm -hmm. you know instead of walking around in the Liverpool shirt or a a Man United shirt Chelsea shirt you know sort of people take the kids back to the football the crowds are going up the like I said, it was us going out as well around North End. It was sort of like, it wasn't us and them, it was us. Yeah, I think the fans, in the city. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, the supporters coming back, the numbers, the players, you know, we all got the, the club back up and running and on the map again, which is yeah. where it deserved to be. How did you move to coaching come about then? Was that always something that you'd looked at and thought, I wouldn't mind getting into or? I think, I mean, every club I've been at, I've captain. I think I'm, you know, labelled a leader. I like to think I am a leader. You know, when I'd finished football, I went and played for Lee Ashcroft. I'd come out of Alden, I was 37, didn't have a club. Ashy was running Kendall, Lee Ashcroft. Greg's come and keep fit and play up here. So I went up and played a couple of games, enjoyed it, ended up snapping me Achilles. Right, right. So yeah. for about 18 months, I didn't have a physio, I didn't want to call on clubs and say, can you do this? It's a twice a day job you need. So that was me sort of done. And then Martin Gray, who played for Sunderland, he was at uh, Oldham as a number two and I was at Darlington. At 
been put into basically uh, liquidated. Yeah. The club I started at. So they went to the bot, the real bottom tier. We called the Northern League eighth tier. So he took over there with a guy called Brian Atkinson who played in the cup final for Sunderland. Mm. He played for Darlington. So that they asked me to go in as well. Obviously, we all had an affiliation playing for Darlington. And over five years, we got three promotions and, and two playoff defeats. Yeah. To, again, it's Fano and trying to get it back up again. A little bit like North End, not, not on the same scale. And then he was doing coaching in the schools, like doing the B-Techs. So I was doing yeah. that during the day, doing the football as well. And then he got the call to go be York manager, which was full-time. So I went in there with him as his number two. For whatever reason, the players just didn't take him, the supporters didn't take to him. I think they'd had two, two relegations on the trot. And they'd gone League Two and they got relegated from the conference. It was a real, real bad feeling. Jackie McNamara. I think had they got to the playoffs one year in League Two, potentially could have made it into League One, and then after I think that, so. And then the year after, the year after they got relegated, then they got relegated from the conference, and yeah. the whole it was toxic. And we sort of went in there, and it didn't matter. I don't think if you know if, if Moisey had gone in, Marina had gone in, it was toxic and it couldn't be turned around. Yeah. And he ended up getting a sack, and I got the sack as his number two. So I was like, what do I do now? You know, football's hard to get into. It, it really is, uh, and it sort of wounded me a little bit, really, not being in around the game. So a mate of mine works at the school I used to go to as a kid, the behavioural unit there. So I've been, like I said, I've been, before obviously lockdown, I've been going in there and rather than exclude kids or suspend kids now, they put them in a unit and you try and work them. And they expect me to be a teacher and shouting and do this and that. And I'm a completely different way. And I think I get to the kids that way because I've had a sporting background as well. It's, it's like I said, it's about being in dressing room, about speaking to people the way you come across, carrot and yeah. stick and... I can do that with kids and, you know, before lockdown, I was enjoying it, but, you know, we don't know when we're going to get back, so it's, it's a difficult in the minute, so just yeah, like everyone's them, sat twiddling thumbs and doing gardening and painting walls and <laughs> boring stuff like that. <laughs> There's been a lot of comparisons and, and there, was, there was a lot of talk of, like, teams of the decade and stuff like that, and there's been a lot of comparisons or a lot of people have said that yourself and Ben Pearson are, are sort of two similar kind of players. What what are your thoughts on, on Ben as, from what you've seen of him? Good player, yeah, I've seen it. I think, I think he likes to get stuck in and he likes to tackle. But he do, do you see a bit of yourself in him, him maybe, in, in that regard, in terms of he's not scared of getting stuck in and yeah, playing into so. a tackle? I, I think he plays in a position I did. You know, I think uh, he's, he's a good footballer. He can see a pass as well, which, you know, I probably didn't get the, the credit for that, that I, as well. It was more like, hair and tear with me but yeah. no I think definitely when I left they brought Brian O'Neill in which I think he was a good footballer but I don't think he was combative he was going to fly in put his head in boots if the crowd needed someone to go and smash someone to get a reaction I don't think he was that type of lad I think yeah. Pearson's probably the closest they've had since yeah I, I, and again, I and again sometimes supporters will cheer a tackle as much as they'll, they'll cheer a goal yeah there was you one know. against Rovers I think maybe two or three years ago right in front of the finish stand and he went through, I think it was Bradley Dack, com- nice. completely above board, won the ball, but he just got all of the man as well. And it was just yeah. one of those moments that, like you said, in modern football, it's not often you hear fans sort of get up for a tackle, but that, that was definitely one of those moments. Absolutely. I think he's got that, but he, he can play as well. I think, mm. you know, he's really important at Preston. So have you, got, have you got any plans for the future, for your long-term future? Do you want to get back into management or...? I'm sure the coaching side, I'll be honest, you know, yeah. the management is this, it's that, that. you know, because I'd like to think I was always good in the dressing room, I could make people laugh and things like that, and I think sometimes when the manager's got me one way, I could go to the players and have a bit of crack with them, and mm. but I could also, you know, lean on them if I had to. Yeah. Love to get back into football, but it's so hard nowadays, you know, yeah. you've got 
foreign managers all throughout the leagues. This it's it's so difficult to get into. So at the minute, I'm happy doing what I'm doing with it yeah, with the with kids. The it's, it's something different, but never say never. I'd love to get back involved. Like I said, it is it is difficult. What was your best moment from your time at Northern? Probably the Birmingham game. And then I yeah, or lifting that trophy. Yeah, not certainly not getting locked up with ranks. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which but, was the better night out than the, the, the league win or the post-Birmingham? I think the post-Birmingham one, I'd, I'd got a dead leg in the game, so I remember being sat in Squires with just a bag of ice on my leg watching our <laughs> lads dance around. But I mean, I remember coming back on the bus, I think it's Cambridge where we'd, we'd won the league. Yeah. And get, getting back to Deepdale and thinking, well, there'd be no one here. And it, there, was, there was loads there. It was like, wow, off into Squires, our tracksuits on. But I mean, it's, it's difficult to pick one, one time. I think you've yeah. got to pick them two or three years were just... On and off the pitch with the lads, the crack, the banter. I mean, I've been in dressing room since. Don't really keep in touch with a lot of the players, one or two, but, you know, John Macken put me onto this. Jacko, Ranks, Greza, you know, they're, they're all great lads and great friends, not just teammates. I think that whole period of time was fantastic to look back on at North End. Who was the best player that you played with at North End? I mean, you can go through periods, can you? You look, John Macken for a couple of years, he was just on fire. Anything he hit went in. Yeah. I think Paul McKenna was a real good underrated footballer, could play, did everything simple. He was, he was absolute class at Grezza. Jacko didn't really get the credit because he, he couldn't cry turn, but you look at some of the goals he scored, like away at Wigan and things like that, absolute yeah. warrior. For a small, not small, 5'10", the height he used to get, he always chipped in with goals. And again, great lad on and off the pitch. We had some right proper players. Can't really single out one of them, but I think probably that 12 or 14 players we had have been as good as I've played with even yeah. the lads in the Premier League. Some of them lads should have played in the Premier League. But, you know, when I look at the West Brom squad to the, the one we had. One that always gets brought up for me is uh, Paul McKenna. Absolutely. Great player. Mm. Technically fantastic. Always at the front of the running. Great trainer. Great lad. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, just a shame that we could never never make that final hurdle with whether it was the group of lads that you played with or the, the group that came after. Yeah, and I think, like I said, if Moyes hadn't left, you can understand why he did. John Macken, massive, I mean, five million quid, you know, it was, a, it was a huge fee then. So it's just a shame that we couldn't have all have had 12 months and, and seen what could have, could have been. Yeah. So if you could go back and give yourself some advice from the time that you were at North End, what would it be? And like I said about going on the nights out and things like that, everyone was doing it at the time, but... <laughs> I did like a night out, I did like a party, you know what I mean? But I'd like to think my performances on the pitch were, were doing it. you got to think back then, we had Baz as a... We had Kellamore Hanlon, David Moyes and Baz. You look now, I mean, I've been watching the Man City documentary lately. Yeah. There's probably more staff in that dressing room on match day than there is players or squad. You know, the days of the fitness coaches coming in, sort of the back end of my career, really. So if we maybe had that a bit, a bit sooner... Nobody was doing it then. Like I said, we had three staff members. Yeah. You know, there's there's probably 30 staff members at Man City, 40 staff members. Did you, um, I think it was last season when they, when they won the fourth Premier League title and it was away at Brighton, did you see the trophy presentation afterwards? Oh, and when I, they all I'll never all the forget it. And they brought all the staff out. There must have been yeah. about 60 of them. But Absolutely. again, you look at that, I know they don't go out drinking, but <clears> Pep's got all his staff around him. They're all together, they're all in the dressing room. He's got that real bond and knit you know mm. it's not us and them they're all together and I know they don't go out and do the drinking and things like that but again if we'd have had a fitness coach back then or a dietitian things like that it might have been different but yeah. you know made that I was going 10, out 20%. Yeah. everyone was going out you know it only started coming in later on in the, in your career and mm. 
it was a little bit of a case of all dogs new tricks and you know what I mean? So have you got any stories or any memories that you've not shared that stick with you from your time at North End, good or bad? Probably not, I can say on here. <laughs> what was the one you were going to tell me about Paul McKenna? Oh, I just heard it on uh, on Parky and Brownie's podcast when Moisey said something to McKenna, I think, and Teppy went up to him and, and did he jab him in the stomach or something like that? Or did they have a scrap? I can't, I can't remember really. I think Paul McKenna was going to leave. We were, we were away and we're all on a night out. And again, no, that wouldn't happen. Staff wouldn't be out with players. Yeah, know, yeah. Dis- disgruntled players, blah, blah. I think Paul McKenna was off to go to an A-club and Moisey gave him a little tap in the stomach and said, stay here. And Teppy, being the raggy that he was, sort of got right in Moisey's face. And next thing, everyone's rolling around on the floor scrapping, <laughs> which was bizarre. But again, next morning you have a meeting. You know, it was all forgot about and moved yeah. on. But over all the time at North End, I can't really dig a story out for you, but some of the laughs we've had, some of the stuff yeah. we used to do. I remember it was Ranks' 30th birthday. We were down at Springfield and we got a chair. We got all the players and all the youth team, all the staff. And I'd ordered a, a roly-poly gram for him. So this woman <laughs> pulls up, who's about 30 stone, and comes in and is squirting cream all over his face. Obviously, oh, a boob... A boob her boobs were like beach balls. She was whacking him in the face and sitting on him. Ranks took it like great, but it was just like, they're the da- that was just the daft stuff we used to do. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I could tell you a million stories like that, but <laughs> we, just, we just had a real bond, a real good set of lads, like I said. And to this day, we, you know, still keep if, I ring, touch. if I ring them or they ring me, we always pick the phone up and yeah. it's like, we, you know, it's like it was yesterday. So it's a Last good set of lads. If you could put a five-a-side team together from players that you played with at North End, who would be in it? Keeper, I would go Luke's, probably because of the goals a bit smaller. But again, him and Teppy, they were so... Luke's was probably the more rounded keeper, but Teppy could do things I've never seen keepers do before. As a personality, Teppy was wild, which I quite liked. Got to have Grezzer in there. You know, he could keep a beach ball off anyone in a telephone box. The ability, and again, couldn't run, but what a, you know, what a career and what a, what a player. Yeah. Got to be McKenna, I would say. So we've got three. Need a centre-forward, I'd probably go John Macken, that couple of... Couple of years he had, he was absolute outstanding. I've got to pick myself on as captain. Yeah, I was going to say you can either you can either put yourself in or not. But I was going to say ranks, but no, I picked myself because he got me locked up that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you've got anything else that you want to that you want to say, then we can we can wrap it up. No, mate, just let's all press and uh, get back and get over the line like we couldn't do and uh, be through the playoffs or automatic. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers Absolutely, crossed. mate. Um, yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. No that. problem, mate.